Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habit of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, where my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. John Smoltz. Is if you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have so much hope for this generation coming up that I've grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Pau Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio, powered by Molka Sports. You can find them online at malkasports.com. Andrew Marchand, who is a sports media columnist for the New York Post. He's also the co-host of the new Marchand and Orant sports media podcast. John Orant has been on this show before. They're both covering the sports media beat. They've teamed up to host this new podcast. And we haven't had Andrew on before. He breaks a lot of sports media news. So he's going to join us this week. I'm looking forward to that conversation. I'm joined by Brian Griggs, our executive producer. Griggs, how are you? Doing good. And uh, nice to have Andrew on because, uh, as you mentioned, John, a big friend of the show. We've had him on many times and he is a a brain of wealth of knowledge. So um, fun to have the other side of the podcast on for him. So one of the things we'll talk about is this... 650,000 emails as part of the Washington football team investigation. And somehow, Griggs, we're supposed to believe that the only incriminating emails out of this whole dump of emails is the John Gruden emails. I'm just not buying it. Yeah, I uh, saw that come across the ticker the other night and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me out of that many emails. First of all, how'd you already get through them that quickly? And two, how is it just John Gruden? I don't buy it. Well, and the thing is, obviously, the Gruden emails leaked. Right. So someone, I don't know who, but someone's leaking emails. So now I think someone's protecting emails. And on Friday night, late, always a good time to release news when it's late. No one's paying attention on a Friday night. The NFL, supposedly uh, an anonymous spokesperson, says, hey, uh, Associated Press, these emails, we didn't find anything in them. And so that's their way of saying, well, all right, you know, the only thing of substance in the 650,000 emails were the John Gruden emails. And again, I'm just not buying it. It's almost like they had to put somebody under the rug. You know, they had to they had to sacrifice somebody and that John Gruden was the guy. And then they could cover the rest up like, okay, we we did what we need to do. Let's push it under the rug. Let's put it out Friday night and move on. Yeah, I just don't think we've heard the end of this story. Something else we'll discuss with Andrew. Uh, There's been talk that Disney may spin off ESPN. Who might be in the running to acquire ESPN if they're spun off? And why would Disney spin them off? Andrew's got some good answers for that. And then Griggs, the NBA gets started this week. Uh, Give me your picks for the NBA finals. 
you know, first off, I'm just excited to have the NBA back for a nice full season and uh, a full slate of games and, you know, with fans. So that's going to be exciting. And uh, second off, I mean, if Kyrie decides to come back and actually play, I think Brooklyn's going to be hard to beat. And I still think Milwaukee's going to be right there, too, because, uh, you know, Giannis, man, I've seen some of his offseason workouts. He's shooting better. He's he's only gotten better. So I think in the East, those are the two in the West. Uh, you know, you got to say Phoenix is still hanging out. And uh, I don't know. I mean, Lakers, they're kind of old, but they do have a lot of talent. We'll see what they can do. All right. I've got two uh, probably not not popular picks. Just I, I think they're uh, they're dark horses. I'm going to go with our friend Eric Spolster in the Miami Heat in the East. I really like what they did this offseason. I think Kyle Lowry adds a lot of toughness to that team. If Bam and Jimmy Butler can bounce back after a disappointing playoff run last year, I think they're going to be in the East. And, you know, most people are picking Brooklyn and Milwaukee, and I love Milwaukee, um, but it's hard to repeat. And then I just, with all this Kyrie stuff around Brooklyn, I and, and Harden and Durant get hurt pretty often. I just don't know that Brooklyn's going to make it all the way through. I know they're the popular choice and the favorite, but I'm just not sure with all of the turmoil surrounding that team that they're going to make it all the way through. And then I do like Phoenix in the West. I think most people kind of looked at them as the, oh, you know, the only reason they got in is because people were hurt last year. Um, but I think they're a pretty good team. They're young the wild card with them is that the Suns uh, decided not to extend DeAndre Ayton and his rookie contract. They couldn't agree on a deal. So either Ayton's going to play mad and out of his mind this year, or he's just going to play mad <laughs> and he's not going to play very well. But I'm going to go with Phoenix and the Heat. And, you know, look, the Suns, the Heat, there's a theme there, Griggs. Yeah, I th- I'm warming it up. It's hot there. I like your picks. Uh, Miami, yeah, that's a good dark horse because you're right. If those three that you mentioned can get on the same page, be healthy and play really good, that's going to be a tough. And we know Eric's an amazing coach. So uh, NBA is fun. I'm excited for tip-off. All right, MVP. Who's your MVP? Oh, man, you put me on the spot on this one. I don't know. I mean, I, I still got to say Giannis is up there. And uh, yeah, Giannis. I'll go Giannis. Yeah, he's the consensus choice. I'm going to go Steph Curry. I, I think Steph is going to have another great year. Uh, Clay Thompson's going to be back at some point. I do think Golden State makes the playoffs. And, and you know, if there's some injuries, maybe they're the Suns from last year and they sneak their way through because they've got vets and Andre Iguodala is back on the team and Draymond Green is, is savvy. So um, I'm going to go Steph. And then uh, Rookie of the Year, that's going to be an interesting one too. Uh, you know, everyone's picking, is it Jalen Green from Houston? Um, you know, he looks pretty dynamite so far in the preseason, but uh, do you like anyone for a rookie of the year? Yeah, it's tough. I, I can't land on one name because I kind of like to see how the first couple weeks start. I mean, preseason, you don't really get a judgment of them. When they really get out there, compete, can they go every night? Can they play? And can they keep the stamina up? So I, I just don't have a name on that one yet. I think, like you said, Green's going to be good, but I just don't have a name yet. Some other things I'll be watching with this NBA season. Uh, I'm really interested to see how Jason Kidd does in Dallas. You know, Luca is a popular MVP choice, and you know he's advanced each of his uh, first couple of years. He's gotten better and better. So uh, you know, now that Rick Carlisle's out and he's in Indiana, and Jason Kidd's leading the Dallas Mavericks as their coach, what does that look like? That'll be interesting. Uh, or in Portland. 
So far, the Blazers haven't won a preseason game, so their new head coach, Chauncey Billups, doesn't know what it's like to win as a head coach, but uh, it's going to be an interesting season for him, so we'll be watching that. But uh, I don't know. There's there's some interesting storylines this year. What's going to happen with Ben Simmons in Philadelphia? He's back on the team. He's practicing. I mean, you know, that had to be pretty awkward when he walks back into the building and he's getting on the practice floor for the first time, I would have paid to be a a fly on the wall in that practice facility. Yeah. Those guys that hold out like that for contracts are always, you know, there's got to be a little bit of riff with the uh, locker room. And when they come back, kind of think of Aaron Rodgers too, how he drew out the whole preseason and everything. But uh, yeah, fly on the wall. NBA season's always fun. Lots of storylines. And then of course, you know, there's always injuries, which hopefully nothing too major, but uh, that can change the whole landscape too. And I agree with you seeing these new rookie coaches, uh, Jason Kidd, and then here in Portland with Chauncey, how will they uh, fare as the regular season gets going? So Zion's already hurt, and he's out indefinitely with a foot injury. So that's not good for New Orleans. It's not good for the NBA because Zion was outstanding when he was on the court last year. Um, so and and my NBA season pass team that I'm going to watch, the Chicago Bulls. Boy, they have looked good in the preseason. They've got Lonzo Ball and DeMar DeRozan on the team, Zach Levine. Uh, Vukovic, uh, I think I like what they've done with that roster. And I, I think they're going to make the playoffs too. So uh, watch out for the Chicago Bulls. Don't forget about Caruso too. I tell you him and ball. Yeah. I mean, they are yeah. like amazing on the court, getting the passes. And he had a Caruso had a dunk the other night that was just like unbelievable. So yeah, I agree. Bulls, Zach Levine. We love him. He uh, is such a great shooter. That's going to be a fun team. They're going to be high power, high scoring and a lot of fun. All right. Coming up next, Andrew Marchand. New York Post sports media columnist and co-host of the Marshand and Auron sports media podcast. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, it's Brian Berger here. In addition to hosting Sports Business Radio, I'm also the co-founder of the consulting firm Everything is on the Record. Since 2007, we've been working with CEOs, corporate spokespeople, pro sports team owners, athletic directors, elite athletes, and coaches to help them navigate the tricky media and social media landscape. My business partner is Rick Buecher of Fox Sports. As part of a new partnership with e-learning platform Open Sesame, we are now offering many of our teachings via on-demand courses available on video. Courses include presenting your best self in a video meeting. Your personal brand is connected to your employer's brand pause before you post, text, and email, and scrubbing your social media. To take any of our insightful video courses on demand, visit opensesame.com and type in the words, everything is on the record in the search. That's opensesame.com. To learn more about how we can provide a customized training session for your organization, visit everythingisontherecord.com. That's everythingisontherecord.com. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is Andrew Marchand. He is a sports media columnist for the New York Post. He's the co-host of the Marchand and Oran Sports Media Podcast. Andrew, thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. So let's start with the idea of the podcast with John, who's been on this show many times before. It's not often that you see two competing reporters team up on something. How did you guys come up with the idea for this podcast? Yeah, it really started in our business offices. They came up with it. And then, uh, you know, they were having meetings. I think there's 
um, there's some kind of relationship uh, with the higher ups. Uh, and, you know, I got a call one day from my editor, you know, asking me would I be cool with working with John. Uh, I've known John for a long time. Uh, he's one of the best reporters uh, in the business. And so, uh, yeah, I had no hesitation. He's a good guy. I mean, that's probably the most important thing to me. I think when you're doing a podcast, you want to like the person because you're going to be talking to them. Uh, you know, you hear us do the pod. We've done two of them. But uh, but you also have to communicate a good amount, you know, by email, talking and just uh, preparing uh, for what you're going to talk about, especially the format that we kind of put forth. So um, that's how it all came together. And then uh, the toughest part was trying to get a name as <laughs> they, wouldn't let us, they wouldn't let us do anything. Um, and then we came up with the very creative more Shannon Oran sports media podcast, which is fine as name as names go, but there are a lot of names they wouldn't let us do. That's funny. All right. So for people who haven't listened to it yet, and I highly recommend it, and you've already had Jimmy Pitaro on, You've had Scott Van Pelt on. What can people expect when they listen to your podcast? So we're really trying to talk about taking you behind the scenes of uh, of what we're reporting on. Because I think a lot of times um, if you listen to some podcasts, um, you know, they've been they've been talking a lot of times about our story. So um, you know, we generally know more than we even write. And there's a way that in a podcast you can be a little bit more relaxed in terms of speaking about these things. Um, and so uh, the format is basically we start off with who's up, who's down. So that's basically we're giving somebody a plus and somebody a minus. You don't want to be in the dreaded who's down uh, each week. And then there's you know three or four topics that we'll discuss. Uh, and then some weeks we'll have guests. This week the plan is not to have a guest. We had guests the first two weeks, as you mentioned, with SVP and then Pitaro. Uh, and then after the four topics, we, uh, we tell you who the, what the calls of the week are. Um, and, uh, so that's, um, and that's basically the show and they were trying to, you know, the people have a lot of different opinions and it will evolve, will change and we'll figure out what works, what doesn't work. But, uh, and we're trying not to take up too much of your time, try to be able to talk freely and relax, but, um, be relatively concise. Um, so try to have a little discipline, which, um, might work, might not. I mean, Pataro, we went longer because I think. We just felt like we have the chairman of ESPN. You can't cut that down too much. You have to, you know, we we're fortunate that he was willing to do it. And then, uh, you know, want to ask him as many of the questions that we had time for. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the great thing about podcasting is it's conversational and it's long form. And if you have someone who's going to stick around for more than five minutes, which most people expect with a podcast conversation, then, you know, take advantage of it. So I thought you guys did a great job with SVP and with Jimmy and, you know, for the listener like me, I want to hear as much as possible when you have a guest on. I agree. I find though sometimes there's like a lot of extraneous stuff um, that can sometimes uh, where you're repeating yourself. I don't know. I, I think we kind of get that from my writing background. I like I write. I've written. Yeah, I write about four or five long form stories a year, and. Well, you can fall in love with your words and they can go forever. And I think with the internet, sometimes people write like that. And generally speaking, you could cut most of those stories by a third and they're better just because you want people to read the whole thing. And I kind of think sometimes podcasts could be the, a similar um, equation where I get it. You're right. It, it is that there is a, um, yep, we got all day to, to listen to it and you can come back to it. 
I mean, there, there's different ways to look at it. You don't necessarily have to listen to a podcast in one uh, sitting. Uh, but, um, but yeah, no, it's not. It's, so I, I think I'm kind of agreeing with you while just kind of, but I do think that um, you do want, I just think you do want some discipline to it. Not that I want, not, not discipline. I mean, and I, when I use that, I mean, like in terms of your format and your rundown, not, not totally like, you, you, I understand the, the spirit of podcasts. You want that spirit. But I also think you want to respect people's time. And I think people want to know what they're going to get. Like, how long is this usually going to go for? Um, so, uh, but, but we will evolve. But, but, you know, I might be talking to you in a year from now and we're like, yep, we go three and a half hours. <laughs> you know, and I, maybe we'll totally change what we think. Um, but, uh, but at least that's the initial kind of thoughts about how we want to, we don't want to take up too much of your time, but we want to make it, inf- you know, fun, informative, um, and, uh, you know, but without overtaxing your time. Yeah. I mean, if I can give you any advice after doing this for 17 years and being, you know, on the podcasting road, as soon as it launched, uh, I think, having discipline of, you know, it's going to be 30 to 45 minutes each episode, but knowing that if you have, like if I sit down with David Stern uh, in New York in front of a live audience and he wants to tell stories about his life and things that he has done over the course of his career, I'm not going to stop him. I'm going to, I'm going to let him hundred percent keep going. And that was kind of what we talked about with Pitaro. I was just sort of, you know, first at a job, we can't have Jimmy Pitaro on and be like, all right, we're going to take the best 10 minutes of it especially when you hit on a you know bunch of you know different topics you know there's there's times where you go a little long and you could you know but but again you also have to think about it, and i'm sure you're you know this is your feeling is obviously we cover this this you know sports media so we kind of know jimmy Pitaro's backstory not everyone even people who are in the business know you know we'll find that part of it more interesting than than we might just because uh you know, people are, they're not focused on it, uh, as much as we are. So yeah, I am definitely cognizant of that. And you're right. Like when you have a guest like that, um, you, you don't want to, uh, shortchange, you know what I mean? We're not going to, so I don't want to sound like we're not going to shortchange anything. Uh, but that's just the plan in terms of, uh, not, um, yeah, like not trying to have a little bit of discipline in terms of what the time we're going to go. But I, but I've said this too. So we're kind of mirroring. I I've said it, but yeah, that's said if we're, we don't need to be such a slave to the clock. I mean, that's like kind of the antithesis of what podcasts are. Right. All right. So in the spirit of backstories, tell our audience how you came to cover the sports media beat. So I got to the New York post when I was 23. I first out of college, I went to a bigger college. I worked at two small newspapers in Texas, very small newspapers in Texas. Uh, and then I got an entry level position at the post um, and so the way it worked, you worked on the statistics pages, the agate pages, and then you were able to write You had one day a week that was dedicated to writing, but you could also, if you wanted to pitch ideas and, and try to help out. So I was working like seven days a week and uh, back then the labor laws, maybe <laughs> I got paid for five, it'd be like 40 hours of extra time to be like, ah, oh, you can put it for four hours of overtime. Okay. All right. Um, but, but anyways, um, I was always interested in sports media, Phil Mushnick, longtime columnist. I, you know, see things and call him up and say, Hey, how about this? And then I don't even know how exactly it started, but I got to write a column called the sports clicker, which my current editor, who's the top editor now, he was the Sunday editor then I believe. 
Uh, he's the one who coined Sports Clicker. I think I was going point of view, but Sports Clicker is better. Um, and so I got to write that. Um, and I did well. I, I had some news. I was very opinionated. Mike and the Mad Dog came after me at one point and had me on the air just to yell at me. Uh, and then I got promoted to cover the Mets, um, which I kind of had mixed feelings on because uh, I um, – I knew how hard baseball is it's not in terms of time commitment and on your life and whatever, but I was 25. I had to accept it. So I did, I did that for two years and then I was able to get off of that. And, um, you know, the editor at the time also was sort of, um, ambivalent about my coverage, although, you know, I think it was all right. Um, and so then I went back and I said, Hey, I want to cover sports media again. He's like, nah, not, not, you know, we're not going to do that right now. So, the big break to get really back into it was the daily news um, started a section called like a sports TV section that they were going to come out on Sunday. And from what I've been told, they spent a million dollars. This is like 2006, maybe even 2005, 2004, maybe around there. Anyways, 2000, yeah, around that time. Anyways, they spent a million dollars on uh, advertising to promote it. So theirs was coming out Sunday. We had not done a thing. They must've done all this planning. So I get a call. I remember I was walking to Yankee Stadium and was told we're putting out a, we're going to do we're going to do a sports TV section. Wow! Um, and it's going to come out on Friday, right? And so we did it right and just put it together in like this was like a Monday. Ours came out Friday, four page color uh, TV sports section in the middle of the paper. And uh, on the back page of that, I got to write a column basically. Um, which had notes and there's a thing called Marshan's matchup of the week and did five questions where I talked to somebody. So that was real great. And, uh, you know, we, and, and it also made more sense to have it on Friday instead of Sunday. Cause Friday is when you go into the weekend of really watching sports. And I don't know why the daily news chose Sunday. Um, but the, the man in charge then was Leon Carter, the sports section of daily news later was my editor at ESPN New York who I have a fondness for uh, in two ways that, you know, in him coming up, being part of that uh, sports TV idea with the Daily News. And then uh, when I covered the Yankees with Wally Matthews, he was our editor and he was great. So, um, uh, so yeah, so that's how I got into it. And then uh, I was at ESPN for, then ESPN came after me um, in 2007, asked if I'd be interested. And I really was happy covering sports media. Didn't necessarily want to leave. Um, the financials were a little different in the post, although they did, you know, offer me a raise. Uh, you know, they already had Mushnick there and, you know, newspapers, even at that time, uh, you're not going to have two sports media columnists. So they didn't really give me enough to, I kind of wanted to stay, but it didn't, they didn't give me enough incentive to stay. So I left, went to ESPN, was there for 11 years. Uh, they treated me very well. Um, but I really wanted to do this. Uh, and so, you know, I, I left um, in two let's say four years ago. So in 2017, um, and I was, you know, hired as a sports media columnist. Um, and so, uh, here I am, uh, four years later and it's worked out pretty well. I'd say it's worked out very well. You break a lot of news. People who listen to the show, journalism students and people just starting out in the media, they want to know how do you build sources? So Andrew, how do you build sources when you break as much news as you do? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is to be honest with people. Uh, that's number one. Number two is to really know your subject. Um, because 
when you talk to people, they got to, they have to want to talk to you to return your call. Hmm. And if you know what you're talking about and you're kind of engaged and maybe you know sometimes more than they do, they're more eager to call you back because um, for lack of a better term, they feel like you can help them um, as much as they can, you know, uh, they can help you. Uh, so uh, those are two things. I, I think the biggest one is to be fair. Now, you're, you're if you cover something, you're going to make, I don't like really the term enemies, but you're going to sometimes piss people off. Uh, and that's the nature of the business. But if you do it in a way, most of the times where you're telling people straight up um, what's coming, why it's coming, what they think, and, you know, let them say whatever they want to say back to you. Uh, I think it serves them and you uh, better. And I think those are kind of the major things that you want. And you just, and it's just uh, developing relationships. I mean, I talked about knowing your stuff. You, people, you want people. You you want to be. You want to. You want to have a personality in a way that they want to get on the phone with you. Um, and um, so those are kind of the two major things um, to, uh, you know. And also, don't always call just looking for something. Like that's not. You can't always like call every time you call and just you're always wanting something. Um, and so. It's building up, so there's a um, I don't say casualness, but a uh, a easiness to uh, the relationship, and I think that's kind of um, you know a few things that you want to do. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back after this. Hey, it's Brian Berger here. As some of you may know, in addition to hosting Sports Business Radio, I'm also the founder of the Sports PR Summit. We've been building something very special there since when we launched in 2013. Noteworthy people such as Adam Silver, David Stern, Jamel Hill, Grant Hill, Tom Rinaldi, Lisa Leslie, Michael Vick, Jeremy Schapp, and Stephen Ross are just a few of the names who have joined us on stage to provide unique insight. We recently introduced the Sports PR Summit Collective. It's a way for everyone to stay in touch 24-7, 365. The Collective is the next evolution for our community of PR practitioners, media, and athletes. You'll find a counterpart day and night to ask and answer questions, share your inspiration, connect with colleagues, and celebrate victories. The technology that powers the Sports PR Summit Collective allows us to bring more valuable resources to our members and the industry. These include a members-only job board, a mentorship program, industry awards, courses in skill building, networking opportunities, and mastermind groups. You'll also still have the opportunity to attend our annual Sports PR Summit event in New York City, in person or virtually. And for the first time, we're also allowing access to students and entry-level communications executives. If you're a PR practitioner or a member of the media or an athlete, this is the community for you. Visit sportsprsummit.com for more information and to join the Sports PR Summit Collective. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Let me dig into some sports media topics with you uh, over the next few minutes. So <laughs> I've been doing this show for a long time. Like I said, I don't know that I've seen a story less believable than the one about the 650,000 emails with the Washington football team investigation. And we're supposed to believe that the only emails that were damaging were the ones with John Gruden and Bruce Allen. And 
you know, we had this dump on Friday to the AP and, you know, they put that story out. I just, I'm not buying it. And I think there's going to be media outlets, whether it's the New York Times or, you know, your paper or the Wall Street Journal, people are going to keep digging on this until they get their hands on those emails, don't you think? They are. Now, it is, it's not, um, so yeah, that, that will be some um, very good investigative reporting if people can, um, you know, find and, and, and uncover those emails. Now, how would they do that? The NFL has possession of those. In theory, other people have seen them. So the NFL is going to protect those, especially, you know, they could have destroyed them. You know, they destroyed the Spygate tapes. Uh, they might have destroyed these. It's, you know, but, uh, but yeah, it, I, I didn't think the AP, I don't understand why you'd say, okay, I'm going to take an unnamed source and allow them to say that there's no other incriminating emails out of 650,000 emails. Now, that in fact could be true. I would say that if it is true, then the NFL should want to put someone's name to it. Put Roger Goodell's name to it. Make it as credible as possible. Again, now the NFL has no... If it comes out that there are bad emails, the NFL is not going to look bad. The AP is going to look bad. So the AP has put itself out there, you know, going on the word of one person that they're not naming. And I just think you don't want to be on that limb um, if you're the AP and especially a service like that where it gets repeated everywhere. It Again, the Associated Press does a lot of good work, so I don't want to totally just destroy them. But they're kind of carrying the water of the NFL in this case. And I just don't understand the logic behind it, um, why you would do that um, without, you know, at least maybe if you said, hey, can I look at it? I mean, 650,000 emails would take a while to look at, but I, I don't know. It just doesn't seem to pass the smell test in, in any which way. And so, um, uh, and, I, and I just don't, it just on a, on a journalism aspect of it, I just don't understand one source, unnamed, they say everything's kosher, and it's like, okay, yep, let's put it out there. Uh, they say it's like a press release. So I, I don't really see the logic behind going with that type of story. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, there's been talk that Disney may spin off ESPN. You've talked about this on your podcast. What are you hearing? Well, everyone denies it until they do it, right? That's right, one of those exactly. Like, I don't have anybody. Now, this you can't have sources like where people deny stuff. Like I think Al Michaels, I've written 90% is going to end up on Amazon. If you called them up, I think they're going to say, no, nah, you know, nothing's there, right? They're not going to say it. So you do have, where you have a story, you know, it's true. Obviously that happens all the time. That being the case though, they're not going to say it's going to happen until it does. Um, and so uh, I've gotten pushback on it. You can see why it makes sense. Um, Disney, Disney plus Hulu, uh, they are, they own the IP, the intellectual property. ESPN doesn't, they lease most of their intellectual property. That's especially the most valuable, the games. So it doesn't really jive exactly with what Disney is doing at this time. Uh, so you could see why a spinoff or even a sale would make sense. That said, you could argue ESPN is a differentiator uh, that Netflix doesn't have, that other um, streamers don't have, especially um, at the level of ESPN. Um, so to answer your question, I don't know. 
Um, I think it's very possible. Obviously, there's been reports. Puck reported this the other day. Um, and uh, I, so I, of course, would not be surprised if tomorrow we heard they're spinning off ESPN. That said, I do think it it, it is part of the company. And, I, and um, I, I'm not positive that they'll do that because of um, what they're building and, and like, who would they, like, let's say they sold it, who would want it? Probably Amazon, right? Well, why would you want to give Amazon that advantage over you? Um, if you're Disney or Apple, somebody, you know, you're probably going to, it's probably one of the digital players that would be the most likely candidate to buy a ESPN. Um, and so, uh, I don't know why you'd want to cede that ground to, uh, the Amazon or, or Apple. Um, and you know, there could be other buyers of course, but, so, so that's why I'm not positive that happens. Yeah, Apple has a ton of money, and I'm just kind of waiting for when are they going to get into the game with sports. And you know, there's been rumors about NFL Ticket, and this would be a huge acquisition if they acquired ESPN. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see when they jump into the the sports pool. And you know, obviously, huge success of Ted Lasso. So at least you're bringing some sports fans to your platform to watch that show. You are, but they just haven't really shown the inclination. Like Amazon's for real to me. Right. Uh, John and I have talked about it. And we're probably going to talk about it this week. Um, I think, you know, we haven't gone over the rundown, but I, I want to talk Amazon because to me, Amazon, along with sports betting, is the biggest emerging story in the space I cover. Um, it's just, yeah, you know, they got the NFL exclusive Thursdays. That's going to be a huge deal next year. Um, and, if you look at what they've done around the world, the type of rights they're, they're winning, uh, they're not, they're winning the premier league They're you know, uh, it's, it's major tennis tournaments. It's, they're not, um, they're not playing in the kiddie pool. And so, uh, and they, you know, they have so much money and, um, like when the NBA comes up in a couple of years, you know, it's kind of the next really, really big one. Um, to, 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 you know, 25, we still got some time, but you have to think Amazon will be a big player potentially. Um, and so uh, they are just one to, to, to definitely watch uh, for sure. couple more questions. The NBA gets started this week. ESPN has a new studio show. Mike Greenberg host, Stephen A. Smith, Jalen Rose, Michael Wilbon. What do you think of this new iteration of NBA's uh, or ESPN's NBA show? So the full, we know what the floor will be, right? So when you look at ESPN's show, you know what the floor is going to be. You have mostly really experienced TV people. And besides magic, they're all on daily. So um, you know that it's going to be fine, right? Like it's not going to be um, bad because Greenberg's a good host. Will Bond's uh, Hall of Fame uh, NBA reporter, you know, slash columnist, slash opinion maker. Um, Stephen A is Stephen A, right? We know right. Yeah. Uh, what you're getting with Stephen A. Um, and he's good on TV, of course. You know, Jalen Rose is the one holdover. Uh, and then Magic, can you get more out of Magic than we've seen in the past because he's working with his buddies, Stephen A and Will Bond? Uh, maybe. But so, so that's the ceiling. Now, I mean, the floor, excuse me. The ceiling, they always want to be with inside the NBA. I don't foresee that happening. I don't think there's really a chance it could be as 
you know, inside the NBA, but nobody is. I mean, that, that might be the best studio show of all time. Agreed. Uh, for sports. And so uh, it's a tough competition, um, but it could be, it could be okay. I, I guess the one thing I would say, I think it'd be very solid. I don't know if it'll be special. But, and so I think it's hard to make something new special right now. There's just so much out there. Um, so if you have a show like Countdown, and then they have a new show, NBA Today, and you have a daily show doing the exact same thing. So the idea of um, a pregame show really feeling different in a podcast world, in a digital world, in a 24-7 cable world still, um, I, I think is not – like if you look at the most successful shows still, they're older shows, Countdown, um, Fox NFL Sunday, um, Game Day. Um, I, I put countdown there. I meant to put I meant to put game day in there when I first was saying. So game day, uh, Fox NFL Sunday, Inside the NBA, they're all older shows. And what do they have in common? They have an atmosphere. Um, you know, Barkley, they're they're that's not even almost like not even an NBA show. Game day, it's the crowd and the and the, and the students. Um, Fox NFL Sunday is a bunch of guys who've been together forever. You're really looking for information from that crew if you like them, or just like. You know, hearing the guffaws from Terry and Jimmy and Howie and Strahan because you you have for a really long time. So I think it's hard to just create that now in this environment from from scratch. All right, last question for you. We saw uh, at the World Congress, Rob Manfred, Commissioner of Major League Baseball, had some pretty strong words for Sinclair. And I've you know we've talked about this on this show for years. At what point are we going to see these leagues move away from linear TV to direct-to-consumer and streaming models? What's your thoughts on that? When do you think we're going to kind of get to that spot where it's more of an a la carte for customers? I mean, we're getting there a little bit. If you look at the NHL deal that ESPN did, I mean, that's really a streaming deal. Um, if you get ESPN+, Plus, you can get basically it would, you can get every out of market game. Um, and then, uh, you get a lot of your, you're going to need it if you want to watch all your home team games as well. Um, so you're starting to see it there football. We're not going to see that. Um, you know, maybe Sunday ticket changes and you can buy your team a la carte. So I guess, um, in a sense you'll get that. Um, and then baseball and basketball, um, and hockey, uh, I mentioned hockey already. And baseball and basketball, yeah, I do think they're going to have that. The, the issue is, though, can you get as many people to watch? That hasn't happened yet. That's going to take time uh, because if you look at it, will be interesting to see what Amazon's numbers are next year. It's just a different way to watch. Like, I, I'm a big soccer guy. Uh, when NBC puts – I have Peacock, but when the, the games are on Peacock, I'm just less likely to watch. Maybe that's me being a little bit older, you know, uh, as I move into my mid to late 40s. Uh, so maybe that's me, but like, I don't, you have to seek out the games more than finding them, uh, which when you, you know, turn on you know, game day on uh, and uh, big new kickoff on, you know, on Sunday and then or Saturday. And then I also, you know, want to watch Premier League. It's all right there. I can just switch the channels. If I want to watch it when it's on Peacock, uh, it takes a little more effort to do the stream. So um, yeah, it's upon us. It's a matter of, you know, when, not if. Um, and so, uh, and how they do it, they, they try not to kill the bundle at the same time. It's a fine line. I mean, I've written a lot about this and we talked to Pitaro about it. When does ESPN go become a 
you know, the mothership become a direct to consumer product. I think that will happen within the next five years. It will still remain on cable, but you'll be able to buy ESPN directly as well. I'm imagining your setup at your house and I'm envisioning like a sports book in Las Vegas with TV monitors everywhere. So you can watch coverage of everything and you've got every streaming service and you're watching every sports game. What's your setup for uh, at your home for being able to keep up with all this coverage? Yeah, we have let's see, one, two, three, four big TVs in the house. Actually, I just, it's funny you say that. I have, so when I multi watch, I usually put one on my computer and one on my iPad. If I want, like, so I can watch three things at once. I have been thinking about, should I be putting, um, you know, I have a big TV in my office. Should I put two little TVs above it? Um, and I don't know. I feel like I, so yes, I have an okay setup. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, but the, uh, but yeah, I've been thinking about, I, I, you know, should I go with the three TV uh, setup? The thing is, I always like to listen to, to the announcers. Right. So, and you can obviously have one sound up. Um, but uh, it's always going to be too distracting. I, I will say on Sundays, I probably need that. But I like to move around. I don't like to be in my office the whole time. Um, I have a nice setup, lazy boy chair and a desk in the office. But, uh, you know, I like to go to different rooms. So I'm not just like pigeonholed in one room the whole day. But then it. Yeah, you know, I got a family together. Uh, yeah, they're they're in different rooms too, so I I don't just have the uh, uh, you know run the, the house uh, to uh, to go wherever I want on those those occasions. But yeah, I got a pretty good setup. Um, uh, it's not bad. Andrew Marchand, he is the sports media columnist for the New York Post. He's the co-host of the Marchand and Oran Sports Media Podcast. Find it on podcast platforms everywhere. Andrew, I've wanted to do this for a long time, so thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Brian Berger here. We've collaborated with our friends at Parish Project to create high-quality sports business radio clothing, including hoodies, long-sleeve T-shirts, and short-sleeve T-shirts. Each item comes in five different colors and a variety of sizes. These items are super comfortable, and you can wear them on Zoom calls, while working out, or when you're lounging around the house. Sports Business Radio has loyal listeners around the world. We'd love for you to post a picture rocking your Sports Business Radio gear. Tag us on Instagram or Twitter if you post. Get your official Sports Business Radio gear by going online to parishproject.com. That's parishproject.com. P-A-R-I-S-H project.com. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. And thanks to our partner, Molka Sports, for powering Sports Business Radio. Learn more about them online at molkasports.com. That's M-A-L-K-A sports.com. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions, griggsproductions.com.